digital signal, better picture and sound, and the best high def plus view free channels and services, you also need the right antenna. Start your ride now. Visit antennaweb.org or call this number. Starting a new garden doesn't have to be backbreaking. Not when you have the Memphis Zero Cultivator. It does all the hard work for you. The powerful two-cycle engine spins the patented pines deep into the soil. It cuts through the hardest clay and tangled weeds, yet maneuvers nimbly through the tighter spaces. Now, get this amazing Memphis at huge factory direct savings. Plus, we'll give you this quarter edge for free. Call now for complete information. 1-800-706-8650. the Mormon connection? Does the Bible condone it? You've heard about the rape in Texas. What about the polygamists in our own backyard? Hi, I'm Doris Hansen. I was born and raised in a thriving polygamous community here in Salt Lake City. Join me as we discuss these and many of your questions about this controversial subject each week on our call-in program, Polygamy, What Love Is This? Every Thursday at 8 p.m. here on TV 20, KPNW, Salt Lake City. I went out walking through streets paved with gold Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit they say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering. Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends that can't watch the show on the air, tell them there's a couple places they can go to either see it or hear it, www.hotm.tv. They can go and watch live streaming video of the show right now from anywhere in the world. It skips a bit and stops, but the audio is usually consistent. And they can also go to KUTR AM 820, The Truth, and they can listen to Heart of the Matter um, on the air right now between 8 and 9 p.m. here in uh, the greater Utah area. It's a great station. Tremendous programming. Learn a lot by listening to AM820, The Truth. So uh, if you don't listen to Heart of the Matter on that uh, station, definitely tune in during the week, uh, during your drive week or whatever it is, and tune in because it's a great station. Calvary Campus Christian Assemblies Meeting to Prayerfully Understand Scripture is now underway somewhere near your home if you live in the Salt Lake area or north. Uh, when do we meet? Sunday mornings at the University of Utah from 9.15 to 10.15 a.m. Then we offer three simultaneous services on Sunday evenings, all from 7 to 8 p.m., and all on university campuses. The first is at the U of U in the Webb Building, the same place as the a.m. service. The second is at Weber State in the Shepherd Union Building. And finally, we meet at Utah State in the Nutrition and Science Building. Uh, you can use campus uh, meetings at night or in the morning as a supplement to your own church attendance, uh, or you can use it as your own special church service. Either way, we go verse by verse, book by book through the Bible, and we have a Q&A with fellowship thereafter. Just come over and see, and if you're LDS, active, faithful, just relax, just come, and, and we, we teach the Bible there. It's not heart of the matter uh, Sunday. It's the Bible, and we welcome everybody. That's Calvary Campus. Go to www.calvarycampus.com for more information. So your name has been on the records of the institution for God knows how long. You haven't attended in decades or years, maybe even months. You've never really bought into the whole 
story or the shenanigans, but you just don't know what else to do. The home teachers keep coming by or they don't. The young teens come by to collect an offering from you every now and then. And over the years, you just sit, still believing in God somehow, but not growing in your relationship with Him. What do you do? Well, I have a suggestion. Abandon ship. Write a letter, remove your name, and do as the late prophet Gordon B. Hinckley something. Stand for something. Send a message that you want to see some official doctrinal changes occur before you're going to allow your name to remain on those rolls. You want an apology for the blacks in the priesthood doctrine, for the Mountain Meadows Massacre, for the Pearl of Great Price, for their doctrines of salvation, or for being less than upfront with their history and their practices. Whatever it is, my friends, go to utlm.org for instructions or bornagainmormon.com and learn how to write the letter and where to send it. We received an email from Ray in Hawaii that tells a quick story. You've probably heard it. It was a dark and stormy night. Only two nights could be seen on the horizon of the sea. A radio call came from one of the larger lights saying to the other smaller one, Look out ahead. We are a giant steamship and we're about to run you over. But the little light radio backed, We know you are a big ship, but we're the lighthouse and you're about to run into the rocks. Abandon ship. So uh, just in, in that vein, we challenge you to do it and move on in a relationship with the Lord. I had the opportunity to sit down with a teary couple this last week. It seems that the husband has come to have a saving relationship with the Lord and wants to walk away from Mormonism, but his dear wife, while supportive and appreciative of his spiritual growth and change, is terrified. And I completely understand that situation. What's interesting about it is this woman expresses and expressed the same fears my own wife shared when I began investigating the LDS church. What will happen to our family that has been sealed for time and all eternity, they often wonder. What will happen to our celestial marriage? Will I be given to another worthy man because my husband has decided to, to follow Jesus? If you are also in this situation, will you listen to this for just one moment? First of all, we know from Scripture that there is no marriage in heaven. Who are you going to believe on this topic, Jesus or Joseph Smith? However, what do you suppose God will do for those people who give him their faith and their love and their allegiance? Do you think he wants to set you up in an eternity of a subpar existence? Do you think your mind can imagine the glories that await you if you are faithful and true to him? Do you actually think that he is going to do anything for you that is going to harm you or be painful for you and your family, whatever it might be? Here's the point. Trust God. Trust him with the details of your eternal afterlife. In fact, even say to him, Lord, I want you to know that I walk by total and complete faith and I'm not going to succumb to the man-made ideas that are forced upon me in order to feel some assurance or certainty. I'm not going to believe those things. I'm going to put all my trust in you. I place all my faith. Tell him that you place everything on him knowing that he will do the very, very best thing for you and your eternal life hereafter. You don't have to worry about your marriage and your family and being given to another man to be sealed to him because he was worthy and faithful or losing your children to some schematic that is dreamed up by somebody here on earth. Trust the Lord, place it with him. And with that, let's have a word of prayer. Dear God in heaven, we love you and we thank you and we praise your name. We pause for a minute to give thanks for the volunteers, for the people who watch the show, for lives that are changing. Pray that you'll be with everybody who's viewing here or out in the uh, viewing audience. And I pray that I'll be able to answer things as you would want me to. And those things that I do answer that are of me, that they'll just die and fall dead. And uh, people will remember your words and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I owe everybody an apology. Uh, last week I said I was going to be going through 
uh, and reviewing the October 2008 General Conference of the LDS Church, but I haven't been able to get my hands on the full text of what was said yet. So uh, just so that I'm certain I'll be able to get it, uh, I'm not going to make a promise for next week. Next week, we're going to cover the Word of Wisdom. Those of you who don't know what that is, the LDS have a thing called the Word of Wisdom where it tells them they can't drink coffee, tea, smoke tobacco, uh, take harmful drugs, or drink alcohol. We're going to review the history of that. We're going to talk about uh, the application of that and talk about what the Bible says about it. So tonight, I'm going to read and respond to the most frequently asked questions we receive in the emails or uh, in person, <clears throat> kind of a Q&A. <clears throat> Some of them are ridiculous, as you'll see. Some of them are quite poignant, and we'll try to get to 20 of them before we go to the phones. From Jared B. in Provo, Utah, it seems like you've lost a lot of weight. How did you do it? Jared, I ate less and I worked out more. Uh, from Samantha in Ontario, California, what do you think of the new prophet Thomas S. Monson? I don't know the man personally, uh, Samantha, but I wish he would set the people that are under him free and point them to a relationship with Jesus and Jesus only. He could truly do a marvelous work and a wonder in the LDS church today by just adding a crossbar in all those temples and taking down all those, uh, those graven images of angels on top of their temples and removing all the rites and all this, uh, the theology regarding salvation and the works that are required to live with God. Thomas S. Monson has sitting in his lap the opportunity to receive what the prophets of old in the LDS church have said, revelation from God. Spencer W. Kimball changed to the blacks and the priesthood. Thomas S. Monson could radically change if he has the guts to do it. So come on, President Monson, now's the chance because you're going to take the last breath and you're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ is going to take you into account on what you did with this, this huge responsibility sitting before you. And uh, I certainly hope that you'll take advantage of this and bring Jesus more into the picture than he already is. From Elliot in Salt Lake City, how long do you plan to continue on with the show? We, I have planned to go through um, uh, 2009. Uh, now, I say that because... Beginning January of 2009 through the whole year, we're going to pick up where Joseph Smith was killed at Carthage Jail, and we're going to work our way through the whole year of church history from, from Brigham Young picking up the uh, slack, coming out to Utah, and church history all the way up to the present day. In honor of church history, like I did last year, I am not shaving again for a full year, nor cutting my hair in honor of Porter Rockwell. Uh, and so uh, it's going to be quite a fiasco as this uh, continues, unless my work makes me shave it off. But uh, that's what we plan on doing. And then after 2009, we'll see where the Lord leads. From Kellen in Denver, Colorado, as a Bible-believing Christian, I think you're teaching against the doctrine of once saved, always saved is wrong. Uh, first, I believe that if someone is genuinely saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, they are in his God's care, they're protected by him, and they are brought home. But I think it is very, very dangerous doctrine to teach uh, as a blanket theology for one and all. There are far too many people who will say the sinner's prayer without having the Holy Spirit change them and walk around saying, once saved, always saved. And Jesus said, hey, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter my kingdom. So, you know, there's, it's, it's especially difficult when I bring in some passages. And if you have a piece of paper, I write these down. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 26 through 29. And 2 Peter 2, 20 through 21. Now, I'm going to read those to you really quickly. Listen to what they say. And listen to people who say, once saved, always saved, and listen to these passages, okay? It says in Hebrews 6, 4, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, 
and put him to open shame. I don't know how you can read that passage and justify the, the Calvinistic theology of once saved, always saved. The next one, Hebrews 10, 26, it says, listen, for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a, fear, a certain fearful looking for a, of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. So he goes on and talks, and he talks about Moses' law, how much sore the punishment's going to be for those who have trodden under the foot of God. I don't know how you reconcile that. And, the, and one of the grand toppers, uh, 2 Peter 2.20, listen. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again tangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it had been better for them if they had not known the way of righteousness than if they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Those, those three sets of passages, amongst others, I do not know how you could stand there and categorically tell and preach to people, say the sinner's prayer, once saved, always saved, go your merry way, you fall into egregious sin, you turn from the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever it is. I don't see how you can justify it, Caitlin. I'm sorry. Uh, I believe once saved, always saved, as long as you abide in him. Eric in Massachusetts, why hasn't your wife abandoned ship like you tell other people to abandon ship? I want you to know that I suggest abandoning ship to people who, I, who, upon considering it prayerfully, have decided it would be something for them to do. I'm not dogmatic about it. I don't say you have to do it. I, people will come to me and say, I still have my names on the records of the church, and, and I'm not sure I need to take it off. I don't want to give them the, the uh, uh, honor or whatever. Whatever. I, I'm not sure it's that big of a deal, but for some people it is. It so happens in my wife's case that it has been beneficial for us to have her name still on the records of the church in different ways. And if she wants to do it, great. If she doesn't, fine. Uh, same with you. But for some people, it's a hindrance to their spiritual growth. They still think that they are somehow LDS. They never can cut the ties. And we receive so many emails from people saying, once I sent that letter in, boy, I was free. And I got to tell you, as far as my wife's concerned, she's not in bondage whatsoever to old LDS ways. So uh, I can see it firsthand. That's why she doesn't. From Donna and Harriman makes a statement. You are just the same run-of-the-mill apostate that I have come and gone since the church began. You know, it's funny. When I was an active and faithful uh, member of the LDS church, people in the church... Uh, respected me as a good teacher and they respected me as somebody that uh, would help them and all these different things. And um, now that I have left the church, I am considered an idiot who has no brain. And it reminds me of Helen Keller. Do you know what happened to Helen Keller when she became a full-grown adult woman? When you read, uh, you see the movie about her, you know, and they have some pictures of her in her early life. She was, uh, uh, she learned to communicate. She couldn't hear or speak and uh, couldn't see. And then you see her like motivating presidents of the United States. They have pictures of her in that way and these different things. And then suddenly, poof, Helen Keller is gone. Well, the reason she's gone is because Helen Keller became a, became a raving socialist. She became a total... I am for socialistic, uh, borderline even communistic uh, principles. And so, but she gives a really funny quote. I'm not standing on her, her political side, but she gives a really interesting quote. She says, you know, uh, when I was blind and quiet and, uh, and, and not listening or couldn't hear and couldn't speak and people held me up at this heroine, they would say, she's so wonderful. Look at all so that she can do. She's a miracle. She is this and that. And, uh, and then when I came out on my socialistic positions, the same people would say, how could you trust anything she could say? She's blind and she's deaf and she can't talk. So it's the same thing with me. I have all your friendship and your love, and man, you're a great teacher, Sean, and you're really someone who loves. And then I go against what you believe, and suddenly I'm anathema, and I have no value whatsoever. Think about that one, Donna from Harriman. William James, William James, uh, in Nevada, 
Why the constant change in appearance? Believe it or not, there's a method to my madness and a reason behind all the stuff that I do. First, I wanna reach to all people. So I try to give a different view of what different people might look like on the show. You might think you're a nut. Well, maybe I am, but I like doing it. Second, I want to annoy the religiously uh, legalists. The religious legalists. Drives them nuts. They tell me to button my shirt up, that it's offensive to Jesus, even though, you know, pictures of him have his shirt undone. Uh, they, they want me to shave. They have all these different rules, you know, and I like to get in their kitchen a little bit. And it's a preparation, again, like I said, for the 2009 shows, which uh, hopefully I won't have to shave unless the job requires it. From Ephron in Boise, why would you try and push people out of a church that is obviously superior to the other churches out there? All right. Ephron, you're under the false but very popular notion that accomplishment, order, uh, even apparent happiness, even apparent wealth is indicative of God being involved. You're under the false impression that God is present when people are successful in the world. And uh, I am not a Christian, Ephron, uh, because of anything other than that it is true. That is why I'm a Christian. Whether the Christian church collectively or individually can compete with Mormonism and their apparent uh, success of wealth and order is irrelevant to me. I don't care if Christianity is groveling in the gutters to try to exist, it's true. And so that's why you're a Christian, you see. You don't become a Christian because it's going to be more beneficial to you. In fact, Jesus taught that when you become a Christian, actually you start losing a stance in the world because the world's going to hate you like it hated him. So you start having money problems and you start having some health issues at times and you start having family problems and you start getting persecuted. This is not what the world rewards you with. The world rewards you with the things that the world loves. Fame, uh, opulence, money. So you choose, Ephron, which side you think it's on. But I'll tell you one thing. Every Christian who I know who is truly a Christian is not a Christian because their church has a bigger cultural hall than the other churches. They are truly Christians because it's true. Okay. Uh, from Julian C. in Indio, how do you explain things like Joseph Smith receiving the word of wisdom years and years before modern science uh, discovered the truth of it? A couple things. One, we're going to cover word of wisdom next week in depth. Uh, another thing, I just had some information that drinking a glass of wine, I don't drink because we have alcoholics all through our family, uh, but glass of wine and uh, what was the other one? Coffee can extend life. So I'm not sure science has found what you've discovered it to find. As far as smoking goes, I have a quote from uh, 1493 where it talks about smoking coming from the pit of hell and it ruining health and ruining teeth and skin. That's 1493. Joseph came out with the word of wisdom, 1830-something. Uh, so, you know, it's all how you've been taught to think about this word of wisdom. We'll talk about it more next week. From Stephen in Springville, Utah, you have an LDS critic who writes in his blog that your research can't be trusted and he can prove it, and you shouldn't be calling yourself an expert on Mormonism. He asks, what do I think about that? First of all, I don't call myself an expert in anything. Uh, secondly, my research comes primarily from LDS sources, and uh, I have critics who spend all kinds of time suggesting that what I say on the show is just pure bunk and that I don't give them a voice. Usually the most outstanding critics, whether they're LDS or Christian, are mad because we don't give them any allegiance. We don't listen to them. We don't respond to them. We don't care what they have to say. And it makes them so angry that they get more and more vitriolic against the ministry. So uh, that's how I'll answer that. From Carrollton L. in Riverton, if Joseph Smith were alive today, like he like he walked into the LDS church headquarters, how do you think he would be received and how would he react to the demeanor of men and women around him? I have no idea. 
Uh, I think that probably initially Joseph Smith would be hailed as the great guy, and then I think that the Mormon leadership would fear him because uh, I think that he was uh, – it, it's a business conglomerate now, and it's a completely different thing than what he initiated, but that's just pure conjecture. From Lexi in Meridian, Idaho, um, you have an awful lot of Christians against you, especially online. What up with that? Um, again, same thing. It's one of the greatest shames in modern Christianity, in my opinion, that we have brother against brother publicly. I have no problem with uh, someone coming to me privately and talking to me about the things they dislike about what I say. But the, with the advent of the Internet, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a so-called pastor or a Christian theologian here in this area he has gone to the newspapers. He goes to the internet. He writes uh, letters to people. He calls them all about me. I, I'm sort of flattered, you know? And it's like, uh, why don't you just come to me and sit down with me and voice your concerns and let's have a man-to-man uh, -man talk about this? This is one of the major problems I have uh, with uh, people like that. Now, one of the greatest scriptural uh, things they have against us comes from 2 Corinthians 6. And it says... And what they do is they say, we do not like what you say about being born again and staying LDS. Or, and they say, and they quote 2 Corinthians 6.14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has unrighteousness, righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? And what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? And ye are the temple of the living God, as I say, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. They use that scripture constantly to say that our method of, to the Mormons is completely uh, off. I, I just want you to know our method of reaching the LDS is to take the membership of being a Mormon right off the table. It's just to take it off because the, one of the greatest things Latter-day Saints fear is not having the church. So what we say is let's not even talk about that, okay? Let's talk about your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the methodology we use with people. This is what I use when I meet people one-on-one -on -one out in the public, all right? So it's not about mixing in, you know, and everything we say is geared toward the LDS relaxing and being able to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Now, I offset their verse with what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. He says, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, and to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, he says. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, okay? That I might gain the weak. That I, made, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Paul, listen, the, the, the context for those passages in Corinthians that they like to use against us, Paul is talking to the Corinthians who worshipped idols, who slept with their own family members, who were just complete lasciviousness. And he said, look, don't have relations with them in the things that they are partaking of. Obviously, if we were commanded not to have anything to do with anybody who doesn't have the same belief systems, we would never open our mouths to anybody. It's not in that context, and they try to put it that way. I don't suggest anybody. Look, we tell people to abandon ship all the time. People call and say, should I join the church? Absolutely not. This is just ridiculous. I'm on this one a little bit longer, but we're going to a break, so uh, I wanted to cover it. Uh, quickly, Sean, how much do you, from, this is from Frank San Diego. How much do you really make with your priest crafts? for your show, just to let you know, the LDS used the word priest crafts as a way to say that I am using the gospel to make money. And I just want you to know this accusation is so old, it's amazing. Uh, Kevin, uh, the man, finishes concrete and he drives back and forth. I have a job. 
Marcus has a job. He works as a waiter in a restaurant. We all work and make our own money, and we use the funds that are ever given to us to help support the ministry and get it more and more out there. So just take that inane argument about us, about us getting rich. We're on TV. The things are donated to us. And just put it in your pipe and smoke it because uh, it has nothing to do with the truth. Okay, we're coming back to a, a conversation with a woman I had in the Salt Lake City Airport. I knew her as a kid. She's LDS and she wanted to know about our ministry. We'll come back and talk about that right after this. Hi, I'm Sean. I'm Kevin. I'm Mike. We're the pastoral staff at Calvary Chapel. Christian assemblies meeting to prayerfully understand scripture. All three of us are present at the University of Utah Sunday mornings from 9.15 to 10.15 a.m. Hi. Back. All right. I was in the airport uh, about a week ago, and I ran into a woman who grew up in the same stake that I grew up in, uh, and she uh, knew she knows what I do, but yet she still kind of asked me, what are you doing up here? And I went through the whole thing as though she didn't know, and, and then she asked me a question. She said, well, in your services, do you teach the Book of Mormon? And uh, I thought it was very odd knowing that she knows my stance on things. But uh, uh, I told her no, and here are some reasons why we wouldn't teach the Book of Mormon. First of all, it's a 19th century piece of fiction uh, containing numerous plagiarisms by one Joseph Smith. Two, we have the Bible. Why would we use the Book of Mormon, which either repeats what the Bible says or includes teachings that will confuse certain issues uh, that are in the Bible. For instance, uh, the Book of Mormon says, for by grace we are saved after all that we can do. Uh, that, that saying right there in the Book of Mormon takes the pure message in the Bible and twists it. And then the Book of Mormon is used as a bait on a hook. Uh, it's fairly safe, but it skips the things that make Mormonism unchristian. And I'm going to read off a laundry list really quickly here. The Book of Mormon does not teach the plurality of gods that are taught in Mormonism. The Book of Mormon doesn't teach that God is an exalted man. The Book of Mormon does not teach that people can become gods. It doesn't teach the three degrees of glory, celestial, terrestrial, celestial. It doesn't teach the plurality of wives doctrine. It doesn't teach pre-existence. It doesn't teach eternal progression. It doesn't teach about a mother in heaven. It doesn't teach her at, uh, about uh, hell being a temporary place. It doesn't teach about the Melchizedek priesthood order. It doesn't teach about the Aaronic priesthood order. None of these things can be found, including the organization of the church that the LDS Church holds in such high esteem in the Book of Mormon. So what was the purpose of her saying, do you teach the Book of Mormon? Because it's their big claim to being so Christ-like because Jesus is talked about in that book. You know, and unfortunately, they missed the whole idea of the Bible. So there you go, my friend in the airport. A uh, few more from Neil in the Bay Area. I heard even more than ever about Jesus and the atonement at the last general conference. You know, I'm going to quote uh, Philippians 1.8. Uh, it says, What then notwithstanding, either way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and therefore I do rejoice. So on the one hand, just like last week, I rejoice that Christ is preached. How could you not re, uh, rejoice? If Christ is mentioned, Paul says Christ is preached. Now, I know it's a different one. I know all that, but still, on the single hand, we can rejoice. Uh, but I think it's also a, a great ploy to appear more Christian while at the same time the LDS Church does not release those other doctrines that are purely anti-Christian. So it's very duplicitous, on the other hand. And finally, the word atonement. You... They always use the word atonement, atonement, the atonement. I'm grateful for the atonement. I want to explain something to you. The atonement of Christ is the covering and the propitiation for sin. What it does is it takes Sean McCraney's sins and it takes them away and washes them and covers them in the blood of Christ. But that is, a, it is only part of what makes me worthy to go before God. Did you know that? All the LDS talk about is atonement, 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 but they don't talk about the imputation of Christ's righteousness into me as a believer. Why? Because they don't believe it. 
They believe that it's their own righteousness that earns the merits of God that gives them the favor to enter into the celestial kingdom. Whereas a Christian knows that they are not only washed clean from their sin, but they are also imputed with the righteous life that Christ gave. Now listen, if all that was needed was atonement, Jesus could have floated down from heaven as a full-grown man, stepped on the cross, and suffered in the flesh and died right there. But he came as a child and he went through everything and he did live a perfect life. So he was righteous and his righteousness is imputed into believers. Now, if you don't believe it, listen to these verses, write them down. Romans 10:4. for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, talking about Adam, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in the life by one, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30, But of him ye are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made us unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He's all of those things to us. Okay, and finally, Philippians 3.9, and we be found in him, not having our own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, which is of God by faith. You have to understand the difference there. So atonement, when, when I'm talking to a Latter-day Saint and they say, but I believe in the atonement, you can go and say, well, listen, let's talk about the imputation of righteousness into your life by Christ. What's that mean? And then you can explain it and show them those verses and it'll help you out. Let's open the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. First time callers, please. LDS callers, preferable. Have a concise statement to make. I actually have five more, which are some of the best, but maybe I can get to them in a second. Uh, let's take Sam, who is LDS, first time caller. Sam, you're on Heart of the Matter. I thought your listeners might be interested like to get a witness from the Holy Ghost. You want to tell us what it's really like? Yeah. All right, go ahead, Sam. I grew up in the church, but very faithful. I strived to get a testimony, get a testimony of the Book of Mormon. Nothing happened for many years. Uh, I, uh, I'm an artist, and I did certain things that uh, got me in the church news section of the Desert News. I felt Plenty of brotherhood, all kinds of love from everybody. Then I left the church for a while. Uh, it wasn't until uh, things started happening through the Holy Ghost that uh, I decided to come back because of everything that happened. Okay, you get, get to what it was, though, okay? As quickly as you can, Sam. It, it wasn't fellowship. The, it, it was a great feeling that you cannot mistake with fellowship. Uh, if it were fellowship, I would have felt that uh, before I left the church. Okay. The Holy Ghost tells it, it tells us in the Bible that the Holy Ghost teaches. Yep. Teaches you things. Yes. On these occasions where I received a witness from the Holy Ghost over certain things, it also taught me things and gave me insight into Scripture. Okay, Sam, I'm going to stop you there. I let you I let you tell us sort of your story and that the Holy Ghost taught you things and it was through these feelings that you did that. Okay. I didn't hear the first thing you said. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, let's let me respond to those things you've said already. Okay. Okay. Okay, Sam. How, the Holy Ghost teaching you things. Can it teach you things that are not included in the Bible? Yes. Okay. So let me ask you something, Sam. There, are, there are four churches on the corner downtown. One of them says it's the Church of God. One of them says it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. One of them says it's the Church of the Holy Bleeding Lamb, and one of them says it's the Church of the Sacred Supper. And uh, how, are, how are these churches to know what is of God and what is not if the Holy Ghost can teach you things that are not in the Bible? If I were to tell your people the insight I learned on a certain scripture in the Bible, they couldn't deny that it's true. Okay. Uh, 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 you're going to have to save that for another time or email me, but ask me, answer me that question that I just gave you. The Holy Ghost is unmistakable in its feeling. Okay, you're going to notice, Sam, that none of those churches that are on those corners are called the Church of Deception. Not one of them. 
They all say they're the church of this or that, but none of them call themselves the church of deception. So everybody is claiming this or that. You're telling me that we don't have a manual that God provided us to look it up and see if we can trust what these spiritual feelings are telling us or not? I'm not sure I understand. Are you saying that you can receive some information from the Holy Spirit that is not included in the Bible that you can say is doctrinal, that is doctrinally superior? It's not doctrine, it's insight. Okay, well, I can agree with insights. I don't know about, but, but doctrine, what do you go by? Uh, the insight I'm talking about is uh, the scripture that says, pray for those who despitefully use you. I challenge anyone to come up with more insight than what I've been given on that. Well, I, I can tell you something else, Sam. It sounds like you've got some, some kind of spiritual pride there, too. Why would you call and challenge anyone to see if they have more knowledge on that passage of scripture than you? It's not pride, it's a testimony of what a testimony is. It's an interesting testimony, my friend. I don't, uh, you know, I, I hear your point, get, you gave it, and are you the one who emails me a lot? Yes, I've sent you a few emails. Okay, Sam. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Uh, I just want the people to know that it's not like brotherhood like you say it is. Oh, I don't say it's only brotherhood, Sam. I think there's all kinds of feelings and all kinds of things that can, can come into play. the Holy Ghost and his feelings is, I think, making a mockery. I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I, I don't make fun of other people who say they have the Holy Ghost, even if it's another church, because I, I don't risk it. Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not making fun of you, Sam, but I'm saying you're running a dangerous line. That if you think but it's that, not dangerous because it's unmistakable what the Holy Ghost teaches. Well, okay, I'll let you and God work that out. I'm not questioning your salvation if it's unmistakable to you. If the Holy Ghost has told you that polygamy is the eternal principle and it's got to be lived, have at it, buddy. You go and take that one to the Lord. But this is what your church teaches. I just wanted to set the record straight, and it's not like what you said. Okay, Sam, thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Dave in Salt Lake City. Dave, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, Sean, I just need a quick clarification on that last. The last thing you, I remember you saying this evening was you, you, your stance was once saved, always saved, as long as you abide in him and it. It, it got me a little confused. It, it sounded like, well, all, all of a sudden that's back to kind of a worked righteousness thing. When I, I think, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, at least from my perspective, what I think you mean on the abide in him is that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a work in progress. I know I still sin, but I, I trust in him. I depend on him. I'm not going to let him go to hang on to his hemline all the way going into to seeing him in person. And is that what you're, is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay, because it wasn't once and saved, always saved, as long as you abide in him. It almost kind of sounded like, well, as long as I keep on doing the right thing. No, because if it was as long as I keep on doing the right thing, I would have said that. Okay, well, it, I mean, you just, you just said, made the statement in it, and I thought, well, it could be a little confusing, so I just wanted to revisit that quickly. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate the call. Yeah. All right, bye. Just to let you know, I can't let that go by. He's a guy in our audience, and I knew it, but I didn't know he was going to call. So uh, I don't want to, I get accused of setting people up to call the show. So uh, that was not, uh, I have to clear that up in case that got out. All right, uh, let's see. Anna in West Jordan, first-time caller. Anna, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hi, Anna. I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing good. We watch your show every week. We really enjoy you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, my daughter is LDS. And uh, we're LDS also, but we haven't gone to church for a long time. We watch it all the time. We, you know, we really enjoy the show. And she was asking me if uh, Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. <laughs> mm. That's what she wanted to know. Yeah, you know, that's a really good question from your daughter. And yes, they are spiritually, they're spiritual brothers created spiritually by God the Father uh, from the same cosmos of intelligences and Lucifer, uh, was a preexistent spirit in Mormon doctrine. Uh, so was Jesus. So were you, so is you and so was you and so was I. And, uh, and yes, in fact, Lucifer is our spirit brother and and, and, and you're his sister. So, uh, the, the difference and the important difference though, is that in Christianity and what the Bible teaches is that Jesus is an uncreated being that Jesus created all things, and that Lucifer is completely a, a, a speck of dust compared to a, a giant interplanetary system of rocks compared to Jesus. Mm -hmm. But 
uh, he has control of this fallen world. Jesus came down, took upon a body of flesh. He, he didn't argue with him. He, let, he did what he did, but Jesus fulfilled his thing and returned to his realms of glory. But yes, uh, a good question from your daughter. I hope that germinates in her mind to see what she's really looking at. Okay. Thanks so much, Ann. Anna. You're welcome. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, quickly, while the operators are going through, uh, from Javana, Javana in Las Vegas. Uh, you pick up my church all the time. What about your own church? Uh, first of all, Javana, I don't have my own church. Uh, I belong to the body of Christ, but things that bother me within Christianity in this day and age are more and more, they're not teaching the word. Uh, uh, it's the only way to arm Christian believers is with the word of God. Feel good messages, topical messages, even perfectly delivered by really outstanding speakers that make you cry and laugh and feel motivated are nothing compared to the Word of God. And so it's kind of been transplanted because people have said, you know, we got to bring people into the church and we got to bring them in, so we got to entertain them. We're competing with MTV and everything else, so let's do this. And I just think that is one of the things that bothers me greatly about it. I think the basis in money is extremely troubling bigger and richer, some pastors living it up in ways that I don't think they should, antithetical to Christ. And I think the infighting that goes on between brothers and brothers, brothers and sisters, uh, publicly before the world is unfortunate as well. But all that being said, I want you to know that years ago, I said on this show that I preferred the company of the LDS to the Christian people I know. And uh, I said that as a relatively young Christian uh, in relation to having fellowship with Christians. I want you to know that I have met the salt of the earth Christians, people that are my brothers and my sisters that I love dearly and, and, and they, are the, they are Christian through and through. I've never met people like this in my experience with the LDS church who have their faith grounded in him. And so, and I've seen so many pastors and reverends and all the, all the different titles in this state who do a wonderful job at preaching the word of God and teaching and suffering and living in, in, in the poverty and doing it the way that the Bible says it's going to be played out. So uh, while I'm annoyed by those things, I uh, also am uh, grateful to the Christians I know now. Uh, from Ogden, Spencer in Ogden, what happened to your church recommendations? They were helpful. Years ago, we used to give, a, we had church scouts that went out, they went in disguise, and they would go to churches and take notes and come back and report, and we'd recommend them. And we officially recommend three churches in Utah as of this point, Christ Evangelical Church in Orem, Good Shepherd Lutheran, Salt Lake City, Sandy Ridge Community Church, Pastor Travis Mitchell. Those are the three we support completely and uh, talk about. I know there's other very good churches, but we stepped back from uh, uh, that because of a whole bunch of different issues. From Sarah P. in North Dakota, how can you believe in the ridiculous and ancient teaching in hell, uh, on hell? Uh, two reasons. Jesus taught it, and it's in the Word. And I believe it wholly, and I think you should too. And Wendy C. in the Phoenix area wrote, I'm an active LDS, and I have seen miracles and many prayers answered over the course of my life more evidence that my church is true. Uh, I want you to know that Jesus said that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, and that his love is for all his creatures equally. And he is going to answer the prayers of a Mormon like he's going to answer the prayer of a Buddhist or a Muslim. And, and uh, I think that he answers the prayers of believers differently. But I do believe he does answer the, the prayers of non-believers and misguided believers uh, just as often and just as well. I believe he performs miracles in all different faiths because he loves us. But he does want everybody to know his son. And finally, the number one most interesting and usual email we received quantitatively, not qualitatively, is represented by Blake B. from Phoenix, Arizona, who writes, Come back, Sean. Uh, I'd like to respond to that by saying, come to Jesus, Blake. And uh, let's go to the phone, Joy and Ogden. Joy, you're on Heart of the Matter. No, this is Big Bob. Big Bob, might as well go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Sean, it's good to hear you. Hey, I just, I just want to tell you I had a lot of fun at um, Burning Heart. I really did. And I, you know, just in a short time, um, I've, you wouldn't believe how my eyes have been opened. I... 
I've really opened up to the Bible like I've, and it's and it's really opened up to me like like nothing else on earth. Praise God. And I've I've learned so much in a short time. I mean, you know, and I and I, but you got to step out. You got to get out to to see and to understand. You know, okay. like we was like I was kind of talking with you about there for a minute. They're a burning heart, but um, you know, I got to tell you too. You're the you're the kind of guy that I'd love to have for a neighbor. I, I don't mean, think you, so. you'd be great. I just and I and I just you'd get sick of me because I'd I'd want to come over all the time and visit with you, you know. And Dave, I'm the worst neighbor on earth. Huh? I, I I am the worst neighbor on earth. I don't know how to fix anything. I don't know how to do anything. I just you're, you're just you're like the best friend, the best buddy anybody could have. I mean, I. I wouldn't, you know, I could, I can't, I can't think of anybody that I'd want to go fishing with. It wouldn't be me, I'm telling you. I'd have you bait the hooks. With, with the exception of my dad. Uh, well, that's very kind. nothing like going with your dad alone fishing on Earth, Sean. I don't know if you've ever done it. I have. But it's, it's, it's awesome. But anyway, um, listen, I, uh, I hope to see you soon. I want to, I want to get to Utah State or or wherever you're, um, wherever you're uh, teaching at, you know, and I just, I just like to be around you. I, I like to be around you down there at Burning Heart. I, it was, it was just an experience, and you know, I, I, I feel uh, really sad for people that don't, that can't really go to, to God in, in serious prayer and really, and really ask Him, you know, hey, you know, what's you know what's the Bible about, and you know I'm, I'm just I, I just have to say it. You know I'm I'm thankful, and it, and it's it's miraculous what's happened to me, and I, I appreciate everything you've done. Thanks so much, Bob. I really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you too. God bless you. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Sean. Okay. I hope to see you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, just to let you know, Bob uh, came out of Mormonism. He wrote his letter, and he was baptized. And uh, he's saying that since he was baptized, his eyes are opened even more. And I can attest to that after I was baptized. There's a spiritual blessing that comes along with that. I can't describe it, or, but I know that your eyes open and you have some strength that I didn't have before, at least. So let's go to Eddie and Orem. Eddie, you're on Harlem Mad. Did I cut you off last week? Uh, no. Okay. What's going on, Eddie? Hey, well, uh, I just want to thank you for the advice you gave me last week. Oh, good. And, um, and I've been, I don't know if you remember, I uh, talked to my therapist about, you know, the LDS and everything. And how you told me I should, you know, it'd be better if I didn't uh, talk to him. And, and he still wants me to talk to him. He's, he says that it, sh it should be good that I go talk to him and learn more about God through them. Wow. Well, Eddie, I, 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 uh, my advice is the same. I think last week I said... Go on down to Christ Evangelical Church, meet Pastor Scott McKinney, and, uh, and just sit there. You don't, you don't even have to meet him. Just sit there quietly and hear what has to be said there. Listen to the worship. And uh, after you've done that a few times and you're still insistent and your therapist still insists you meet the missionaries, sit down maybe if you have to. I just wish you wouldn't because I don't think, they're, uh, I don't think that they will teach you the truth. Even the truth that they believe in, they're not going to teach you, which is the problem with it. If they taught you exactly what they believed, beginning to end, it would be less of a problem. Because then you could say, wow, that's insane. I'm leaving. But they don't do that. You know? So, uh, Eddie, go to Christ Evangelical. Meet Pastor Scott, please. All right. I have another thing. Okay. Um, like I said, uh, I was going to Christian Church uh, for the past probably year and a half. Uh-huh. Everything. And my, all my brothers, uh, my sisters, my mom, you know, they're telling me that I'm crazy, that I should go back to the Catholic Church and go through there that I'm stupid for looking in other, other ways. Uh-huh. Get close to God. And I just want them to understand and get close to God as well, because none of them are. Right. Well, I might just believe, think that they don't even believe in Him anymore. And how can, I, how, how can you help me help them? Well, I, you know, first thing is to get strong in your own faith, uh, and then after that happens, uh, and you really are sure and certain standing on the rock, then I would just explain to them that religion has never been the answer. 
It's always a relationship with Jesus Christ. And religion, in fact, one of these shows coming up, we're going to do 10 points of a comparison between relationship and religion. Someone gave this to me recently, and it's excellent. And we're going to lay that out and show you how religion, whether it's Catholic, Mormon, any religion, Baptist, whatever, if that becomes your focus, you're in trouble because it, it's empty. You need to have relationship. And so that would be the, what I would talk to your mom and your brothers or sisters about is that you want the relationship with God directly, not to go and learn all the things religion is teaching you. All right? All right. Well, thank you very much again. Thanks, and Eddie. Have a great night. God bless you. Bye-bye. We're going to Barbara in Bountiful on the legendary line four. Barbara, you're on Heart of the Matter. Barbara? Hello? Barbara, you're on the air. Hi, this is... This is Barbara. I know you well, Sean. Um, I wanted to tell you one thing. The reason why you get criticism from pastors and other Christian ministries is because you're out there on the front line, and they like to just play it cool, don't rock the boat, and live life, you know, just as neighbors and what have you. You're doing a great job, and don't let anybody ever, ever, ever discourage you. Oh, Barbara, thank you so much for that encouragement. I really appreciate it. And I wanted it. to tell you one other thing. John from Fallon, um, Illinois. Yeah. He's great. He is he, great, isn't he? As Christians, how to deal with people like him. Yeah. And you handle him really great, and I appreciate that. So every time he's on, we learn a new way of how to, to answer some of their questions. God bless you, Sean. You're an unbelievable good guy. Thanks, Barbara. And thanks for waiting on the line for so long. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. I hope that's right. Uh, we are going to Bill and Bountiful on line two. Bill, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I have two quick questions. One is I wanted to find out what led you astray. I guess you've had positions in the church, been a return missionary and, and such. That's my first question because I just barely found out who you are. I was skimming channel surfing. Okay. The second is I have three boys, 9, 11, and 13. My wife, who is LDS, takes them to church on Sunday and wants them, my ex-wife, I should say, wants them to go on a mission. Uh -huh. I, myself, don't know. Don't, I, I, I don't think I do. And um, I didn't go, but my brother did and stuff. So I'm wondering, I need some advice as far as um, do I push them towards that or against it? Or, uh, you know, I, I, I do like them going to church at a young age, I guess, but now... They're starting to even question, and so. Okay, Bill. Yes. What uh, first question? What led me astray? Yeah. Um, is I um, a couple things. One, I've always been a searcher and a seeker for truth. Uh, I wasn't being changed on the inside as a Latter-day Saint, no matter how active I was uh, outwardly, and I realized that I was a sinner uh, in thought and in deed. And yet I was playing a role of being this good LDS guy and I couldn't stand the hypocrisy. And so I had a come to Jesus meeting on the side of the road, just to put it straight. And I'd love to send you our book. If you stay on the line, the operator will get your address and we'll send you one. And it tells the story and I was changed radically and I came to know the Lord. And it was through that process that I came to become a, uh, uh, a pastor and uh, teaching here on the air. As far as your sons go, this is my suggestion to you, Bill. If you go the route of being the father in the family and you go the route of you don't want those boys to serve a mission, then they're going to do one of two things. They are going to follow their mother or they're going to follow you. And if they're following you and you don't have a mooring, they're going to go to the world and they're going to go to the bars and to the girls and to everything that young boys do when they're 19 and 20 years old. Usually, not always, but usually. Okay. But Bill, if you get grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a great, the best place to be grounded, and you can do that without a lot of uh, uh, hyperbolic talk or a lot of stuff, just go quietly and get your relationship right with him and uh, at, a, at a good Bible teaching church, then by your example and your love, you will help those boys in time see who Jesus is and they will choose to not, if they choose not to go on the mission, which will hopefully be the case, they'll choose to follow what their father has come to and understood. And that is so much more 
uh, beneficial for everybody involved. So my advice is for you, Bill, is to seek out, make war on the floor, get on your knees and tell God, God, I am a sinful man. And I can tell you you are without knowing you. Uh, no matter big or small, I know you are. And ask him for, re for forgiveness. Ask him to be the Lord of your life and say, Lord, I'm asking you to, to give me a new heart, give me a new spirit. I want to be born again. And I'm going to wait, Lord, for you to show me that you've done it. And I promise you, Bill, if you go with a, with a real you and him only and talk to him, and he will show you that you are forgiven and you have a new heart. And we're out of time. It's a great way to end the show. We love you. Let us know how it goes. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. And with that, come next week. No coffee, no tea, no tobacco, no drinks. We'll see what it's all about here in Heart of the Matter. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. My rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage. And run. I'll be honest, at first, I mean, I was really frightened. Can you imagine a man my size playing hopscotch? <laughs>
your attitude is about Jesus, what your socioeconomic situation is. It's all irrelevant, Joe. The question is, is it Jesus? So it was my job, and I feel it is my job, to just keep asking these questions because people are not confronted with them. You know, like I ask people everywhere I go, I say, how come God is all-powerful always goes for a prophet? You always take somebody up on a hill or out in the middle of the desert or in the woods where nobody's around, dark of luck, and he says, here's the deal, and you go tell everybody else, why is he God who can do anything? Why is he God? Hey, folks, folks, take a break. It's me, God, and I just want to tell you that the correct religion is <laughs> Jesus. Because he's running for president in the United States of America. So he's got the 